Ideas matter. Ideas matter. This is Dialogue. Hello and welcome to Dialogue. This year marks the 25th anniversary of diplomatic relations between China and South Africa, and the 10th anniversary of the Belt and Road Initiative. The China Proposed Initiative has played a crucial role in this constructive relationship. How can we evaluate the past 25 years of relations? How has the BRI helped contribute to development between the two countries? And what's in store for future bilateral cooperation? To discuss these issues and more, I'm honored to talk to Anil Suklau, South African Ambassador at Large for BRICS and Asia. Welcome to Dialogue, Ambassador. Well, this year has you. been, you know, marking the 25th anniversary of the establishment of a diplomatic relationship between China and South Africa. The relationship has been of uh, one of a, you know partnership, and then to strategic partnership, and then to comprehensive strategic partnership. So, how do you characterize the bilateral ties over the past five, 25 years? That relationship goes back several decades. Uh, as early as 1953, the ANC sent uh, Walter Sisulu, uh, who was later to be imprisoned at Robben Robben Island, uh, with President Mandela and several others,、uh, to go and interact and learn from China、uh, about liberation, given China's own history of imperialism uh, and uh, subjugation, and China. Was one of these stalwarts in the international community that supported South Africa's struggle for freedom and democracy, and that relationship over the decades of our hardship and struggle characterized and laid the foundations for the future relations between China and a democratic, free South Africa. And in this past 25 years. It was easy for the relationship to develop at an accelerated pace. You'll recall that prior to 1998, when China had no diplomatic relations with South Africa because of the apartheid regime, but upon becoming a, a democracy and formalizing relations, it was important for South Africa to first subscribe to the One China policy. Which the apartheid regime did not subscribe to because they recognized Taiwan, and therefore it was important that when we formalized relations, South Africa subscribed to the One China policy that Taiwan is an integral part of China, and this laid the basis for the formal relationship to develop, and the friendship and comradeship and solidarity that we had from the past. Made sure that the relationship developed at an accelerated pace. When China and South Africa established diplomatic relations, we had no trade between ourselves. There was a zero-based trade, and within a short period of less than 15 years, by 2009, China became South Africa's largest trading partner, and today. Uh, China ranks as the most important bilateral partner、uh, of South Africa, with China being the largest trading partner and one of the largest new investors into South Africa's economy. And we appreciate、uh, the extensive 
interaction that we have at all levels, starting at the level of our presidents. As you know, President Xi Jinping was in South Africa in August, not only for the 15 BRICS summit, but also for a bilateral state visit. And this was his fourth official visit to South Africa in his capacity as president of China and general secretary of the CPC. Mm -hmm. But it was his fifth visit to South Africa because he visited South Africa when he was still governor of uh, Fuzhou province. So this indicates how robust and strong this relationship is, even at the level of leadership. Yes. Uh, Ambassador, you mentioned uh, President Xi Jinping's visit uh, in August not long ago, uh, not only for the BRICS summit, which is uh, uh, an important one, a milestone in the development of BRICS group, but also, of course, to Africa, to South Africa in the state visit. Uh, there, uh, President Xi Jinping said, you know, commenting on bilateral relationship between China and South Africa, uh, that, you know, uh, the two nations were, quote, standing at a new historic starting point. Uh, I wonder how do you understand this uh, you know, new historic uh, starting point here? I think President Xi made that statement within the context of South-South solidarity, solidarity between South Africa and China, solidarity between Africa and China, and that the countries of the Global South are going to play a leadership role in determining the new global architecture that is unfolding and that countries like China will be at the forefront of this working with its fellow partners from within BRICS countries, from within Africa and the global south. As President Xi stated earlier this year when he was in Russia and which he repeated thereafter, that the world is going to be seeing changes never seen in over 100 years. And we are already seeing that. The global south has risen and China is the leading example of that. A country that experienced devastation through imperialism, exploitation and subjugation. And how China has successfully risen from that since the CPC came into power in 1949 China embarked on a new route, uh, road of self-discovery and development. And China today is the second largest global economy. And it has made tremendous progress by lifting over 800 million of its people out of poverty. And by 2020, as President Xi Jinping predicted, as early as 2014, when he became president, that by 2020, China will have zero uh, level of abject poverty. And China has been the only country to achieve this milestone of lifting its people out of poverty and underdevelopment to prosperity and a good life. And that, of course, is something that China now is, is sharing with the international community, especially the global South and Africa, where President Xi has repeatedly spoken of creating a community of shared future for mankind. And by that, he means that the prosperity that China has experienced and the advancement it has made, it is ready to share that experience with the rest of the world, especially Africa and the global south, to help us overcome underdevelopment, poverty, inequality, and to also grow our economies and also become prosperous. And I think that's the magnanimity 
of President Xi's vision to share prosperity with the global community. Mm -hmm. Ambassador, you mentioned uh, this uh, uh, global community of a shared future. One key pillar of that uh, aspiration is the Belt and Road Initiative, you know, the massive infrastructure investment and trade uh, uh, practice there. Uh, so it's, it has been 10 years, and Africa has been an important part of that initiative. Uh, when you look back you know, over the past 10 years, how do you evaluate uh, uh, the progress, the involvement of BRI? Well, look, again, the BRI must be seen in the context of China's own development. China could prosper and advance at an accelerated pace because of the massive infrastructure that you invested in. And also investing in your people, in new technologies, and advancing your country. Now, you have then taken that template and made it available to the rest of the world in the form of the Belt and Road Initiative. And this initiative launched 10 years ago by President Xi is again part of China's sharing with the international community and wanting to ensure that the global com community is connected. We live in a globalized world and it's a now a small village where each of us depend on each other. But China has the vision that all of us must progress. All of us must move together in advancing the vision of our people of a better life and a shared future of prosperity. And this is what the Belt and Road envisaged 10 years ago. And what we have seen over the past 10 years, and specifically in Africa, where almost every African country has become part of the Belt and Road Initiative. South Africa was one of the first countries to sign an agreement on the Belt and Road in 2015, when President Xi visited South Africa uh, for the FOCAC summit. And again, at the recent uh, visit of President Xi, the recent state visit, we again signed a MOU on cooperation on the Belt and Road. Africa has benefited tremendously from China's Belt and Road Initiative, not only in terms of connectivity, in terms of road, rail, ports, airports, uh, harbors, but also in terms of industrialization. A number of free trade zones have been built. And of course, the Belt and Road is more than just connectivity. It is also about empowering people, about skills transfer, knowledge sharing, and about capacity building. It seems to me like it's a, it should be a common sense, you know, for people, for country uh, to progress together, to share a future, to share their uh, prosperity. Uh, you know, China, you know, is, is doing that. And, you know, through BRI, part of that uh, efforts. But at the same time, you do see, you know, as China rises, there's a concern like in Washington, in Brussels. Uh, so, and also you see criticism uh, sometimes, of course, I made rumors too, uh, about BRI. For example, people would say, oh, there's a debt trap, or, you know, probably that's designed by the Chinese, uh, you know, to uh, not to benefit developing countries, but somehow to benefit China only. How do you make sense of that? Well, you're correct when you say that it's common sense that the Belt and Road is for the benefit of all of humanity. But unfortunately, we live in a world where the global hegemons, those that have been responsible for taking advantage of us through colonialism, imperialism, and subjugation and domination, want to continue 
to have this kind of leverage over the global south. But this is not going to happen. And you can't contain the rise of China. Prior to the Industrial Revolution, China was for over a thousand years the largest global economy. And of course, it was as a result of imperialism and exploitation, China was made poor. But China is no longer poor. China, as I've indicated, is the second largest global economy. You are making major advances in science, technology and innovation, including in space. And this is seen as competition from those who don't want to share this space and want to continue to be global hegemons and want to continue to dictate on how the rest of the world should live, especially those of us in the global south. The global south has risen. China is an example. And many other countries from the global south, including in Africa, continue to rise. And this is seen as competition. And therefore, everything is done to prevent the solidarity and friendship that we have between China, Africa, and the rest of the global south, because they, they see their influence over countries from the global south in Africa as well being weakened and they don't want that and therefore they are constantly criticizing that which is good for us and which they see as competition to their territory they regard us still as their uh, colonial territories even though colonialism imperialism and so forth is way beyond us and those days are over. The Global South today is very proud and we are very happy to see China as an example of what is possible, how a country can overcome poverty and underdevelopment, be prosperous and share that prosperity with the rest of the world. And that is why we value the partnership we have with China. And these criticisms will not go anywhere because as President Xi has constantly stated, the age of bullyism and of hegemony is behind us. We are proud people from Africa, from the global south, and we will work together in solidarity like we saw during the BRICS plus summit in South Africa, where the global south came together and said that we want a new world order where we as the global south will determine how we shape this order in a more equitable and inclusive way and not the exclusive domain that some still wants to have the global community uh, shaped in. Uh, Ambassador, the third Belt and Road Forum for International Cooperation, basically people are asking, you know, what's the next phase or next stage for Belt and Road uh, Cooperation? Uh, so what do you expect out of this uh, summit meeting in Beijing? Like the first two uh, meetings held, this third meeting is extremely important. And I think it's, it's, it's commendable that China has these periodic review meetings of the Belt and Road. Because the Belt and Road is not a static uh, cooperation program. It's a dynamic cooperation program. And therefore, we are very happy there'll be a strong delegation from South Africa at the highest level also attending this, this uh, Belt and Road meeting. I think it's important for us to take stock of the progress we have made and also in terms of the fact that there are new technologies that has emerged and constantly emerges that makes it incumbent for us to see how we can work in addressing the challenges using the new technologies and becoming less dependent on the 
uh, global north, but working together ourselves in terms of advancing our interconnectivity, in advancing technology sharing, and in advancing also research and innovation together, which is also what the Belt and Road promotes. And also for Africa, how do we expedite our industrialization, modernizing our agriculture, and making uh, use of green technologies and addressing some of the challenges we have. And I think coming together and exchanging views and also reaffirming the importance of this partnership and also jointly agreeing to take forward the Belt and Road Initiative and make it even more dynamic and more cooperative uh, for the benefit of all of us. Mm -hmm. uh, Ambassador, you mentioned about uh, uh, you know, the sharing of technologies, the sharing of innovation, etc. That will make the global south, the developing world, less dependent on the north or the uh, developed world. I mean, uh, that somehow will have an impact on this global order. Is that the case? Absolutely. You know, technology is a major game changer in terms of how we develop. And unfortunately, the Global North does not want to share with us. It is only countries like China that is prepared to share technology with us and also to empower us because technology is an empowerment mechanism and being denied access to new technologies, being part of the fourth industrial revolution will keep us back. But China uh, very much part of the Belt and Road Initiative. This is embedded in the cooperation. And that is why you find countries of the global south, South Africa and Africa, are very keen to work with, with China. We have seen this in the case of South Africa. We, why we and the impact it has in terms of 5G technology on the South African technology space, on the African technology space, and its willingness to train uh, our people, not only here in South Africa, but throughout Africa, and for us to work uh, with China in terms of new technologies, and China is very advanced in this regard, and to also help us to also advance. So I think this is a very important dimension. I mustn't forget, of course, agricultural modernization. You know, Africa has over 60% of global arable land, and our share of global GDP in ag agriculture is very small. But working with China, we want to ensure that we advance this aspect of agricultural modernization to fully benefit the agricultural sector in partnership with China. Mm -hmm. uh, Mr. You, stressed, uh, you, know, you seem to have stressed very much about uh, the Chinese idea of sharing, you know, sharing prosperity, of course, share the future, and then the sharing of technology, you know, including 5G, including the artificial intelligence, of course, uh, quantum computing, uh, EVs, etc., batteries. China is in the very advanced stage. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I mean, you know, having that in mind, does that mean or can we conclude that somehow that what kind of a world China is, uh, is expecting or is having in its views about this global order, about the, the future world? Well, I think China's vision is very clear in terms of, of new technology, including in space, the advances that China is making in AIs, EVs, big data artificial intelligence, all of this, which is fundamental in terms of our development and in terms of making us uh, less dependent uh, on the Western world that wants to keep us behind. 
And the only way we can advance is having access to these new technologies. So this partnership with China is a very critical to our development and to the development of the global south, sharing between ourselves and moving together in the spirit of mutual cooperation, win-win cooperation, which is what President Xi has constantly stressed. China does not have a selfish mentality. China wants to share prosperity with the rest of the world. And this has been echoed in all of the speeches that President Xi makes, whether it's at the UN, whether it's at the Belt and Road, whether it's at the FOCAC, in all of the formats that he interacts with the global south. This concept of sharing and moving together in mutual harmony and cooperation for the benefit of all our people, because a prosperous Africa is good for for China, just as a prosperous China is good for Africa, because we both benefit from that type of relationship. But trying to contain the rise of a country and keep its people behind will not benefit anyone, including those that try to prevent us from, from progressing, because mm -hmm. the world has changed. You cannot contain China nor the rest of the global south. Mm -hmm. uh, Ambassador, you know, like now we are seeing a world of uh, like, uh, let's say, chaos in the sense you have Ukraine uh, conflict ongoing and then you have this Hamas, Israel, uh, recent unfolding of this uh, very, uh, I would say, uh, powerful uh, you know, development over there. Uh, at the same time, we are also seeing not only the rise of China, but also the rise of the global south. You see the BRICS or the new BRICS uh, grouping, uh, you know, many large developing nations have applied and joined uh, the BRICS. How do these developments fit in this, probably the birth of a new global order or the birth of a new global architecture here? We are on the verge of a new global architecture. And the, the, the important point to note, and I think this came out very clearly at the BRICS summit when the five leaders met, and subsequently at the BRICS Plus and Africa Outreach Summit, when you had 61 countries together with the BRICS leaders meet as the Global South. And it was one of the most powerful meetings of leaders of the Global South. And there was a common voice echoed by all the leaders that were at the BRICS Plus Summit, that we will work together in cooperation for our common uh, and mutual benefit, and that we will be the new architects that will shape the evolving new order. We will no longer be bystanders, we'll no longer be marginalized, but we'll be at the forefront. And as I have said earlier, President Xi rightfully observed, we are seeing changes that we have not seen in over 100 years. But these changes are being driven by the global south, and China is an important leader in this process. And I think this is the time for the global south. The global south has risen and will continue to rise. I think it's very important to note that BRICS expanded. We had over 22 countries wanting to become part of BRICS. We are now going to be 11 and it will continue to grow. The fact that leaders from the global, not just the global south, also countries from the global north are now saying we want to join BRICS. It's because BRICS stands for inclusivity, it stands for fairness, and it stands for a just uh, global order where we don't have hegemons di dictating to us what is in, uh, best for those of us in the global south. And I think this new global order is being shaped with China, the rise of China being the start of shaping this new global order. And I think this is something that we all relish in 
as BRICS, as the Global South, and all of the organizations of the Global South uh, that were party to the BRICS Plus Summit, they all echoed the same message. Our time has come, and we will be the architects of the new order. Mm -hmm. uh, well, Ambassador, you know, of course, you know, a question would be, uh, people would ask, like, uh, if there's a new order where uh, the Global South, the developing countries, uh, you know, uh, they are able to say no to the dictation probably from the Western world, and then they're probably more equal world. What's the solution to problems like Ukraine, like in the Middle East? And what's the best way to avoid if or to resolve those issues? Well, I think both in the case of the Ukraine situation and the situation in Palestine today, we have to look at the root cause. And who is the root cause of both these crises? It is not the global south. It is countries from the global north, the expansion of NATO, not taking into account the security of Russia, the denying of the people of Palestine the sovereign right to statehood, not addressing these uh, root causes, and therefore we have chaos in the world. That chaos is not created by us from the Global South. In fact, the Global South and the BRICS countries included, President Xi has put forward a 12-point peace plan for Ukraine. All of the leaders of BRICS have been speaking of peace, of dialogue, and of bringing an end to the conflict. None of the countries from the Global South are supplying weapons to Ukraine. None of us are supporting the conflict. We are saying we want peace, we want dialogue, and we want an end to the suffering of the people. We are saying the same now with what is happening in Israel-Palestine. Attend to the root cause of what we see in Palestine today. Go back to the negotiating table, discuss a solution of a two-state solution for Israel and Palestine, independent states living side by side. Don't deny the Palestinians their right it's only now that you are talking about the suffering of the Israelis, which is unfortunate. Any life is precious. Uh, but what about the suffering of the Palestinians for the past 70 years that have been killed, the territory is occupied and denied statehood? So we are saying as countries of the global south, we are for peace. None of us are supplying weapons into Ukraine. The countries of the north are fueling the conflict between Russia and Ukraine by giving billions of dollars. People are starving throughout the world. And yet you have billions of dollars to spend on weapons and armaments to fuel the crisis in Ukraine. The same is going to happen now in Israel-Palestine situation where there is talk of supplying weapons uh, for the invasion of, of, the, of Gaza and to wipe out Hamas. That is not going to solve the problem because violence begets violence. There is no war that is won on the battlefield. It is through peace, dialogue and negotiations, which is what President Xi has also put forward for the Israeli-Palestinian uh, situation to resolve that. We have been saying this in BRICS as a collective, that the only way to resolve the crisis is to address the plight of the Palestinians and the right to statehood. With that, we come to the end of today's show. Many thanks to our guest, Anil Sukalau, the South African ambassador at large for BRICS and Asia.